Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our latest edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot and I get into all sorts of different things. We start with Deshaun Watson uh, not being indicted by a grand jury uh, on a charge uh, in Texas. So we talk a little bit about what that means moving forward and kind of what we want to know when we hear from Deshaun Watson, Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski on Friday. We actually recorded this a little before the presser was announced. So we were unaware that Dean and Jimmy were also going to talk via Zoom later in the afternoon. So uh, if, if we mention maybe not knowing that we're going to hear from them, that is why. Uh, and then we get into Baker Mayfield, the latest with him, how the Browns might play this if they're unable to move him, all of that. And then lastly, the trade of Tyree Kill to the Dolphins, how it affects uh, the Browns and their standing in the AFC, all that stuff. So that's coming up here on the latest edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. And Mary Kay, just another busy day here covering the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson in Cleveland passed his physical. We are expecting, uh, and maybe by the time people listen to this, we'll know all the details, but we are expecting to hear from Deshaun, uh, have an introductory press conference on Friday. Uh, This was kind of the last, I don't know if I want to call it a hurdle because I think it was sort of a foregone conclusion, but this was kind of the last hurdle here to sort of making Deshaun Watson a a Cleveland Brown. Yes, they had to not only get through uh, the physical today, but he also had to give some depositions in Houston on Tuesday and and maybe even Wednesday, but I I know for sure on Tuesday. And uh, then he had to cross the other hurdle and that was another grand jury hearing uh, that went on that took place last night uh, in a county outside of Houston. And, uh, and today, as we're taping this on Thursday, uh, Deshaun was not indicted. The grand jury decided not to indict him on any criminal charges, which was the same thing basically that happened in Harris County on March 11th, when, uh, when that grand jury heard nine criminal complaints and opted not to criminally charge him on any of those. So now we've got two grand juries uh, that have had an opportunity to uh, charge him with some criminal wrongdoing, and both of them have decided not to do it. So that's good news for Deshaun, and that's good news for the Cleveland Browns. Still a lot to come, but from a criminal standpoint, it's good for both of those entities. Yeah, and and this was sort of related to the one a few weeks ago, obviously in a different county, but um, th- there were 10 charges and this was kind of the last of the group. They were waiting on what that grand jury did. They didn't return an indictment. And so this one was sort of 
I, I guess, kind of a straggler in all of this. They wanted to, since it was in a different county. Yes, absolutely. So that, that's why, you know, when it seemed like there was something new that cropped up today and everybody was all a buzz about it, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a uh, misconception, a lot of one, actually. Uh, this was just, there were 10 sort of police complaints. Nine of them were heard in Harris County. One of them was heard in Brazoria County. All of them have decided no indictments on any of the tech. So this is where we pretend to be legal experts, I guess. Are there, could there be more coming down the pipeline? Do we, can we even speculate on that? Or are we at least maybe clear of some of the criminal complaints? Well, he is clear of all pending criminal complaints as of right now. So there, there's nothing outstanding in terms of a criminal complaint, a police complaint. Now, I did see some quotes by Tony Busby in an ESPN story today stating that he believes there will be more criminal complaints filed and he actually is considering possible uh, more civil cases. Now, what is currently outstanding are 22 civil cases. He's given the depositions have taken place in I believe 16 of those, uh, but there are 22 civil suits outstanding right now. And that's what's going to be going on over the next how many ever months or how many ever years potentially until these things are sorted out and figured out. Now, there, there have been no plans whatsoever yet uh, to settle any of these civil suits on the part of, of Rusty Harden, Deshaun's lawyer, or, or Deshaun, because they feel that he is innocent of these accusations. And uh, Tony Busby obviously feels opposite of that. And so this thing could drag out for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, and then as far as the NFL is concerned, we still don't know what their plan is at this point. Um, you know, this is where we remind everyone that not finding an indictment isn't necessarily saying he's not guilty. Obviously, we're not saying he is guilty either. So, um, how do you think the NFL approaches this? If, if we get to whenever they kind of have to make a decision and there are no indictments still, does that affect the suspension or are those things kind of separate? I think it will affect the suspension. I think the NFL will take everything into account in its investigation and in making its determination on how many games to suspend Deshaun for. And the fact that two grand juries have found him uh, you know, not guilty of criminal activity, uh, I think that will be meaningful. Uh, but again, he's, he does still have 22 suits pending, and I don't know to what extent, I don't know where they're at in their, um, in their investigation right now, but their findings could result in a multiple, multiple game suspension under the personal conduct policy, and the Browns have braced themselves for that. I think they feel that something is going to happen in terms of him missing some games. It's one of the reasons why they went out and they, they signed Jacoby Brissett so that they will have sort of a seamless transition between two quarterbacks who share a similar skill set. And, uh, and, you know, I think that they are prepared for Jacoby to have to start some games. Yeah, that, that wasn't a coincidence that, that they brought in uh, Jacoby, obviously, in, in that situation. Um, and ju just to clarify again, because I know I've, I've been on Twitter the last week, just so everyone, so no one jumps in our mentions. We understand that not being indicted isn't a guilty or not guilty verdict. So don't... Uh, don't jump in our mentions about that. Um, so he clears his physical and the Browns are set to introduce him on Friday. I guess what's one thing 
that you really want to know on Friday, whether it's from him, whether it's from Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, who I believe we're supposed to hear from. Is, is there, obviously there's a million things, but like, what's kind of the one pressing thing that, that you're curious about when we do finally get to talk to these guys? You know, I mean, I think that the number one question that I would have is, you know, why, why should we, why should we believe that you are innocent? Why should we believe that there are 22 civil suits outstanding against you? Uh, help us to understand why you are not the person that these 22 women or actually 24 women accuse you of being. And, uh, and I think that's the number one thing. I think that's sort of the, uh, uh, the overarching theme of, of Deshaun being here right now is, is he a good upstanding citizen and human being, or is he someone uh, that people have to worry about in this regard? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what makes this tough is this is the first time he'll have to answer questions about this stuff. I think the only thing he's done so far is make a statement, um, but he hasn't had to answer questions. So that's going to make this even a little more complicated. And for me, it's just sort of, you know, I want to hear from, I mean, I guess this would be Andrew. I mean, I'd love to hear from the Haslams, but uh, I I would just kind of like to hear their response to some of the fans who are really uncomfortable with this and fans who have said that they're not going to root for the Browns anymore and kind of what they would say to those fans about their process and, and about why they made this decision. Yes. And I mean, Dan, you, you've received emails. I've received emails. We've seen things on Twitter and there really are uh, a lot of fans who are saying that they will no longer root for the Cleveland Browns anymore. And a lot of those are women and they feel that this does a disservice to women, uh, women, particularly in particular who have suffered at the hands of some type of sexual misconduct. And this is a very, very tough subject to handle. It's going to, going to be hard for the team to navigate. It'll be hard for Deshaun to navigate. Uh, but yes, the Browns have to answer to the fans why they should feel okay about this when at first glance, it doesn't feel okay. Yeah, it, uh, I'm, I, I don't know that there's that much more to get into until we actually hear them talk. So we'll, um, we'll kind of save some of that for one. Yeah, I'm sure we'll circle up and, and pot a little bit after we hear from, uh, from all of them, hopefully on Friday. So let's pivot here and let's talk about the other quarterback on the roster. Who's not Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett or Nick Mullins, Baker Mayfield. And, you know, Mary Kay, you, I I know you texted this out. I believe you might've put it in in one of your insider columns recently. Uh, But this idea that the Browns, I I guess a scenario where Baker isn't traded soon. Um, It it feels like maybe they'd want to get him out of here, but, if that doesn't materialize and it, I mean, you did report that they don't want to take on any of that $18 million. They don't want to cover any of that, which makes this complicated. How does this play out? If the Browns don't find a trade partner, let's say in the next month. You know what? It's going to be interesting. It remains to be seen where this is going, but um, here are a few things that we do know. And you touched upon a few of them. Number one, they are not looking for a first round pick for Baker Mayfield. I mean, that was kind of out there. And just to set the record straight on that, I kind of put that in one of my headlines because, I mean, it's ridiculous to think that right at this moment, they're going to be able to get a first round pick for Baker when there's no market for him. So many of the jobs have dried up and they are going to probably have to take some kind of a, I don't know whether third, fourth, fifth, some kind of a mid round pick probably. Uh, the, the difficult part is the fact that he does have the $18.86 million fully guaranteed contract. They do not want to pay some of that freight. They just don't want to. So if 
he is going to find a deal. His agents, his reps are going to go have, try to have to find something where a team will take that on and spread it out over a couple of years and, you know, convert some to signing bonus and, you know, mess with the cap that way and put voidable years into it and get that number down to a more manageable number for, for themselves and for Baker Mayfield. So, uh, so that's what's going to have to happen with the money. Although, I mean, in the end, if they finally do find something and have to pick up a few of the pennies, you know, maybe they would be willing to do so, but right now they're right now they're not. And then um, in, in terms of trading him as soon as they can, yeah, that's what they want to do. They want to close the chapter on the Baker, Baker Mayfield saga. Now, if it were me, I wouldn't worry about that. I would wait as long as I can until, um, I mean, obviously, unless you find something decent, I mean, sure. If somebody next week wants to take him off your hands for 18.86 <laughs> and give you a second round pick, then of course have at it. But in the event that you, none of those things happen, then I wouldn't be opposed. If I were the team, I would hang on to him for as long as you possibly can and wait for a quarterback to go down. A starting quarterback is going to suffer a season ending ending injury at some point before the trade deadline. And when that happens, the Browns are going to be holding onto an asset and they can not only uh, get that money taken off the books, but they can get a decent draft pick in return. Uh, so that's what I would do. Again, I don't know if, um, if that's what they will do, but, but I would do that. Could you see them? And like, we're a long way from even this being a scenario. I mean, would they really, would they be willing to give up a spot on their 53 man roster just to kind of hang on to him? You know what? Maybe, maybe they would. Um, and maybe it wouldn't take that long, but you know, maybe, maybe it happens during training camp. So you don't have to worry about it being on the 53. Uh, maybe you hold out, you know, some kind of hope that somebody wants him in August. And so, I mean, you can afford to do it then. I don't know that you can afford to do it on September 15th, but uh, certainly I think you can, can get through training camp that way. And um, I can't remember back to last year, but I'm thinking that somewhere along the line, you're probably going to have a significant quarterback injury. Yeah, it's tough. I, training camp is a tough deadline because he would almost have to report. Um, I don't know if they could actually even just say like, stay away and not, and maybe risk getting a grievance from the NFLPA, but like he would have to report or they could put him on that list and maybe, cause he wants his contract at all. Right. I mean, that's, that's the gist of this. Like he might be okay with not playing or at least, you know, sucking that up, but he needs that contract at all regardless. That's kind of his leverage. So yeah. it would be awkward if he had to show up on July, uh, whatever, July 30th, um, just to avoid not going on that list. Well, there would be some kind of an agreement yeah. where, you know, where he doesn't necessarily show up and the, I don't know exactly how they would do it. I mean, even Deshaun Watson last year, you know, he wasn't practicing with the team and he was getting paid and uh, you know, he was only coming in and doing individual workouts and things like that. I mean, I don't think that Baker Mayfield wants to be anywhere near here. I don't think the Browns are going to want him to be anywhere near here. So that's another reason why in a perfect world, they don't want it to happen like that. They want to trade him soon. And again, when these guys go to the NFL owners meetings next week, I mean, maybe that's a place where you sit down with someone and you work out some type of an arrangement, or maybe you take something back in return. Um, you know, I mean, there, there, there might be 
a way to go about this where it's a win-win with a certainty. But I even think there were times last year when Deshaun was like playing scout team safety. Like it was, it was weird. It's, it's training camp. Training camp is where it gets complicated, I think. So I'm, I'm sure, look, they want to get this guy out of here probably within soon. I'm yes. sure. Yes, they do. One thing that I'm curious about, let's say Baker were making like $9 million. Do you think he'd have been traded by now? Uh, there's a much better chance. There's absolutely a much better chance because the thing with Baker's contract, that is starting money. And when you look around right now, there are not many starting jobs left, right? I mean, there, there just aren't many starting jobs. Uh, you know, there's the Panthers that's still open. Uh, there's the Seahawks that's sort of up for debate. Uh, and there are a few where, you know, you might want to upgrade your quarterback, you know, maybe the Giants, maybe the Lions. Um, but there, there are very few clear cut, just job openings for a starter. Therefore, you might be bringing him in to compete with somebody for the starting job. And in that regard, you're not going to want to pay him that guaranteed money, almost $19 million to possibly be your backup. So, you know, I think he's going to have to be realistic too, if he wants to get somewhere and he does have, he's had a list. He's had a list of places he wants to go, places he does not want to go. And the Browns, they do good business with their players. We saw that last year with Odell Beckham Jr., so they are going to try to do right by Baker to the extent that they can. And they'll try to place him somewhere where he would like to go. The problem is some of the places that he really wanted to go, like the Colts, they did not have that mutual interest. So, um, so that, you know, once again, it's dwindling at this point. I actually think his best bet would be to wait and see if a starting quarterback goes down and somebody might come calling. Yeah, I feel like the biggest problem i i'm sure like there's some pause being given for some of the maturity stuff and, and all of that but i do think the biggest problem is like when atlanta trades matt ryan they're not looking to give up draft assets to bring a guy in at 18 million dollars they'll just pay marcus mariota whatever nine million a year i think was that i think that contract was 18 million for two years total because they want the they want to keep the draft picks because they they're kind of rebuilding Carolina's not rebuilding, but they have a high draft pick, so they could draft a quarterback if they wanted to. I just think a lot of these teams, it's a hard sell to say you have to give up draft capital and you have to pay him $18 million. And either way, you're not a playoff team. Yeah. And you know what, Dan, it doesn't it make you think about that fifth year option, which again now is guaranteed immediately when you exercise it. And that happens. Uh, you know, in May after their fourth year um, or after their third year. And when you exercise that, that fifth year option, you know, you almost have to wonder if it's worth it anymore. I mean, it might, it might almost be better to let it play out a little bit, but who would have thought when they exercised that, that the Baker would be gone, you know? That, that he would be gone. I don't think anybody inside the organization saw this coming. I think everyone thought like we did that he would go into his, his fourth season and that he would be better than he was in 2020 in his second year in Kevin Stefanski's system. So it almost seemed like a no brainer at the time, but you're really stuck and saddled with that fifth year option. If you're going to pick it up. I mean, the same thing with Sam Darnold, 
and he has the exact same fifth year option contract. And neither of these guys, you know, might end up starting next year. So I think it's a cautionary tale for some other teams if they're not sure about their guy. Yeah. Now that that's guaranteed, you know, that was the first class where that happened. And I mean, you're right. It, it felt like a no brainer last year. You do it. And even though they weren't get, having extension talks, it's still sort of a vote of confidence that, Hey, we believe in you enough that we're going to at least commit ourselves to two more years. And now, <laughs> now here we are less than a year later, the Browns have a new quarterback and Baker's probably on his way out. I, I am curious to see how teams approach that now. Like if you're not sure about a guy, you almost can't do it because you're, you could get stuck in a situation like the Browns are. Absolutely. And you know, I mean, isn't it, we have almost not had enough time to process everything that's happened in the past week, but I mean, it's still, and we plan on doing like a week long look back at Baker, a retrospective on all of that, but it, it just is sort of mind blowing the precipitous fall from taking this team to the playoffs and just the high, high of, of that victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card round and going into Kansas city. And just, I mean, it just seemed like uh, good times were here to stay for a while. Didn't it? I mean, it just thought, thought, you know, okay, now Kevin's here and Andrew Barry's here and Baker and they're putting it all together. And, uh, and it's just mind blowing that he will be gone after four years. Yeah, you at least felt like you had a guy you could win with. Mm-hmm. Maybe not win because, but you felt like you at least had a guy you could win with, you know, at least until you maybe found that guy you could win because of. And I guess they did that. Um, we're going to talk about another move. And I actually think it relates a little bit to why the Browns went and got Deshaun Watson. We're going to talk about another move uh, here after the break. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. One last thing I want to talk about, Mary Kay, is Kansas City Chiefs trading Tyree Kill to the Dolphins. This, of course, impacts the Browns uh, pretty significantly as far as the pecking order in the AFC, how good the Chiefs are. But I was thinking today, kind of listening to some people talk about this trade. This is kind of why you take this risk if you're the Browns and you go get Deshaun Watson. Because even without Tyree Kill, the Chiefs can still contend because they have Patrick Mahomes. And... When you have one of those like four or five guys, I don't know what the actual number is, but it's probably in that five neighborhood. Like you're a contender, no matter what. Like your roster doesn't have to be amazing if you have that elite high level top five court. That's got to be better than what the Texans had around Deshaun, obviously, but you can build a winning roster around that guy. And the other side of this is the Dolphins bring in Tyreek Hill. And what I was hearing a lot of people talk about was, well, now they're going to have an idea to really judge Tua. And I feel like this is a discussion we've had about quarterbacks here, right? Like, well, you go and you build the team around him, and then you can finally judge the guy. And it's like, well, I got bad news for you. We know how this plays out in Cleveland. You don't have the guy if that's what you have to do. So I I guess from both sides of that, that's sort of why for all the complications of it, this is why the Browns gave up so much and guaranteed all that money to Deshaun Watson, because now they have, one of those five or six guys that if you got to trade somebody like a Tyree kill or an elite receiver or elite, whatever, some elite playmaker, you can still contend because that guy is there no matter what. Does that make yes. sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and the thing about it is there really are only, um, you know, five, six, seven quarterbacks about in the NFL that you can really look to and you say, that guy is elite and you are almost guaranteed to can be able to contend for a Super Bowl uh, in a year that when he is healthy, 
And he also has Hall of Fame caliber talent. He has an elite skill set, and he is just the cream of the crop in terms of football ability. And that's what everybody covets. That's what everybody wants. That's why I think the Browns tried so hard uh, to get Deshaun Watson, why they were willing to take on the controversy that comes along with him and why they were willing to pay him that NFL record $230 million fully guaranteed for the entire five years uh, just because of what he can bring for you to the table. And that is an opportunity uh, to actually go to the Super Bowl. And my goodness, I mean, they also, uh, they also were in the, you know, they would have loved to have had Russell Wilson too. They would have given up the farm for Russell Wilson. Uh, but, uh, but they were actually able to land Deshaun. And that's not something that comes around very often. If it were that easy, the Browns would not have been in quarterback, almost quarterback hell for most of their, how many ever years since 1999, right? I mean, it's not an easy thing to do to find that guy. And now they have their guy, hopefully for them, hopefully for Deshaun and everybody else involved in this, uh, that he is cleared of wrongdoing and he is found to be uh, the good human being that, that he says he is, that his lawyer says he is, that the Browns believe that he is, because that's the, that's the key to this whole entire thing working. So now the, um, the Tyreek Hill element of this, you know, even though, like I said, the Chiefs are still very much contenders. They can still very much build this thing. You know, they still have Travis Kelsey. They still got guys. They are a little different without Tyreek Hill. You know, we always kind of throw out when, whenever you have a, just a really fast guy, you're like, oh, maybe that could be their version of Tyreek Hill. But the reality is there's only one of those guys in the NFL. And, you know, we should mention, we talk about it all the time with Sean. He's got his own issues as well that, that have cropped up over the years. They, they lose something. I mean, I think back to that Super Bowl when it was fourth down and him and Mahomes hooked up for that conversion that, event, that essentially won them the Super Bowl that year. Um, you know, Browns fans saw it in the opening, opening week, like what he kind of does to you when Patrick starts scrambling and, and he gets in scramble drill mode and the ability those two have that, that fourth and one in the divisional game, right? That was Tyree kill. And all that pre-snap stuff, like you don't have to worry about that with every single receiver. He's just kind of a different guy. So I still think the chiefs are among the favorites in the NFL, just because they have Mahomes, they have Andy Reid, they have all that structure, but they are a little worse after this deal, I think, even if they go and draft, you know, a high-level wide receiver. Yeah, I really do believe that for the most part. Now, some of these quarterbacks transcend what they have around them, uh, but there's a whole lot to be said for an unbelievable receiver who can help you look really good. And I wonder about that with, with – Aaron Rodgers too, without Devontae Adams. I mean, I really do. I wonder about that. Um, but yeah, I think what the Chiefs are going to have to do is somehow find a way to replace Tyreek with, with somebody as close as they can to him. Or you're right, they lose something. It, you definitely lose something when you don't have him making those absolutely amazing plays. And some of it was because of how good Patrick was delivering the ball and in all the ways that he could do that and the chemistry that those two developed together. Uh, they are really going to have to find themselves somebody really, really special. And, you know, it's almost like they're going to have to draft a couple of guys, right? Um, I mean, there are a few guys out there, you know, I think, I mean, even a guy like 
Jarvis Landry can go in there and make some, some plays for you in, you know, in certain situations. I mean, he could replace uh, some of, you know, some of those plays perhaps, but, um, but you need somebody pretty amazing uh, to come in there and, and in some ways, you know, it's almost sad to see those two guys split up, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, you know, you, you just get so used to seeing uh, these amazing quarterbacks making phenomenal plays year after year after year with a certain guy. And when it's over, it's like, oh, <laughs> now what? You know, uh, so, I mean, I, I like to watch good football and I love to watch the amazing plays and what those two did together. So I, I for one, uh, just in the interest of keeping the uh, competition great in the AFC, I would like to see them replace him with somebody amazing. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to kind of see how Kansas City looks and and how that offense looks and and how they kind of adjust. Jarvis Landry would be a, a great fit there, honestly, for all all the stuff he does. Not to replace Tyreek, but the stuff he does pre snap, his versatility, all of that. Uh, yeah. I think he'd really fit well. I think Andy Reid could do a lot of fun things with him. Um, okay. We are going to wrap it up there uh, as we kind of danced around. Deshaun Watson will be introduced on Friday uh, early in the afternoon. So we'll get to hear from uh, him, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski. And then later in the afternoon, we will also hear from Dee and Jimmy Haslam. So uh, that's coming up on Friday. We'll have full reaction to all of that, of course, uh, coming your way here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast on Cleveland.com slash Browns, all of that. So if you're not a football insider subscriber, get subscribed. Uh, the blue banner at the top of the page uh, at Cleveland.com slash Browns. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast where you listen. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.